Welcome to the All Things Performance Podcast, where our goal is to stay hungry, to get better, and to move the meter. My name is Josiah Igano, and whether you're looking to improve physically, to get fed spiritually, or to challenge yourself mentally, we're digging deep to find those gems, and we're going to find them. Let's go. Let's, let's, let's go. Hope everybody's doing well. You are thoroughly going to enjoy today's podcast. This is one of the most decorated guests that we've ever had on this show in Dr. Don Brown. Dr. Don Brown is one of the nation's most acclaimed ADHD experts, and she's double board certified, okay? She is double board certified as a child, adolescent, adult, and sports psychiatrist. So not only is she board certified in medicine, a doctor of medicine, but also in psychiatry. So she is clearly an expert in her trade. Uh, she is a podcaster, a blogger, a best-selling author, number one uh, best-selling author, right? She does executive speaking. She does so much, and she's also trailblazed for many others as well. Uh, she's licensed in several states and oversees the training of uh, some of the up-and-coming professionals in her trade, and you are going to love today's podcast. As a, as a psychiatrist, uh, Dr. Dawn works with elite-level athletes to help humanize their journey. And not only do we talk about this, we talk about caring for their mental health, we talk about compartmentalization, we talk about technology, we talk about some misnomers, the trajectory in the world of sport. We talk about faith and a lot of other things. So pull up a chair, open your ears. You might want to take some notes because this is powerful. And without further ado, we get right into today's conversation. All right, here we go. Hope everybody's doing well. My name is Josiah Igano. Welcome to the All Things Performance Podcast. I'm joined with my co-host, Derek Devine. And today we are blessed with a great guest. We have, some people will say we have outkicked our coverage. We have yeah. struck gold, but we are blessed with one Dr. Don Brown. Dr. Don, how are you doing? I'm well. Thank you so much for having me here, Josiah and Derek. It's a pleasure to be here. Awesome. We are, we're excited to have you here, hailing from Houston, H-Town. You know what I'm saying? Hailing from H-Town. <laughs> oh, it, it might not be as, as, as humid as it is in H-Town, but it sure is hot over here in Arizona already. Oh, yeah, it's working up. Oh, man. So, Dr. Brown, for those of you who don't know, Dr. Brown is a double board certified MD and psychiatrist. So, she uh, specializes in child, adolescent, and adult psychiatry, uh, as well as sports psychiatry. And we're going to be hearing a lot from her today as it relates to that. Dr. Don, as we get going, are there any things that have you know, tickled your fancy lately or caught your, your, your eye in terms of things you're excited about in 2022? Ooh, I, you know, I've actually dedicated and actually proclaimed this year as the year of intention. Um, so I'm excited about being in, you know, very intensive on just setting my goals, establishing them in health, wealth, prosperity, um, also blessing others as I, as the Lord sees fit. Um, and so I'm, I'm just excited about kind of this journey that he's brought me on, but more excited about what he has to, in store and who I would come in touch with. Um, and so it's the year of intention for me. I'm very excited about that. That's great. That's great. Intentionality. That's where it's all at, because if you're not intentional, nothing happens, you know. And so I, I, I appreciate that. And so those of you who are listening, we are going to just 
open it up. And we're going to ask Dr. Don all things sports, all things psychiatry, psychology. And to start it off, what I wanted to ask is on behalf of the athletes out there, right? Um, sports psychology, psychiatry is relatively new with performance uh, on the performance end with with athletes in terms of acceptance. And what I want to do is I want to ask why is it so important to have for an athlete to have trusted advisors or counselors in their corner? Why is that so important? Is it necessary? Is it optional? Is it is it a menu item? What what is your case? Well. A couple of things, and I think it's a a very great question to start out with. One is everyone is on the mental health spectrum. Everyone has mental health. And so how I view mental health is that you have, you know, good mental health, fair or adequate mental health, or poor mental health. So mental health is non-discriminatory. Everyone is impacted by it. It doesn't matter where you are at home, at work, on the field, on the court. You know, we're always constantly dealing with our mental health. And when we think about our mental health, we think about our cognition. We think about our moods. We think about how our thoughts and how they all relate to behaviors. So if you're a human being, you definitely have mental health. And so it's not obsolete for an athlete who is a professional to not want to attend to their mental health because it doesn't interfere or affect um, how they perform, but also off the court or off the field. So that's one. Secondly, um, I I think it's important just as an athlete or a coach, a coach will consider a professional athlete important to his team. And so athletes will consider us important because we're professional as well. And so when we think about um, our profession, you know, we've been I've been in school. If you count from first grade, 27 years I was in school. And so that's probably older than some of the athletes that I treat. (laughs) And And so I, you know, the. I can relate to them because they're they're very good at what they do. And so, you know, that's how I see myself in the field, um, not as being um, brash or anything. But I mean, I've, I've done a lot of years of schooling. And so my um, my goal is to you know make sure that's reflected in how I help help them with their mental health as a professional. That's great. That's great. I know Derek, you know, uh, obviously playing college football and playing in the NFL for a short stint. What would you say are are some of the things that or the stigma that came with seeking help outside of the team for our mental uh, health? Derek, what would you say is the the, what was the universal stigma during when you were playing? Uh, The word just mental toughness, you know, and so there was never any real conversations about it. It was. Mm -hmm you were expected to ju- to keep everything together all the time. And yes. uh, so like even what, what Dr. Don is saying, like everyone's on this mental health spectrum. I mean, I would have never even thought that, you know, a lot of people I think think equate mental health with mental breakdown or the puff unit, you know, like they're in the hospital somewhere because they can't get it together. They've yeah. had a breakdown when, uh, you know, just been getting more and more, information on this lately it's just you realize this is this is something people deal with on a daily basis everybody just deals with it differently yeah but as far as like somebody coming up and helping us work through our mental weaknesses that was just never spoken about yeah ever you know so nor did you bring it up because the last thing you're trying to do is is highlight a weakness 
for so, sure, yeah. for sure, yeah. and that's that's universal. You know, that's universal. Doctor Don, when you start looking at the 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 spray chart or the array or the availability accessibility of different mental health professionals, what are some things that you would advise a professional athlete, a collegiate athlete listening to this today to look for? What are some things to look for so that you know without question that you can trust this individual? Yes, and so I would actually look for someone who's board certified. Um, and what that speaks of is that th- there are and, and nothing against doctors who are not, but, you know, those of us who are board certified means that we are up to date on the standards of our profession. And so that, you know, medicine is evolving. It, it evolves just like technology. And so a mm-hmm. medication that is used today may not necessarily be used in a week. And so it is very important that you, you know, you schedule with someone who's certified um, board certified, if you will, because we are required um, to stay on top of our continued medical medical education um, and, and standards for our profession. Um, and also someone that specializes in what you're looking for. And so when we mm-hmm. think about a psychiatrist, of course, a primary care doctor can evaluate you for depression, anxiety or any mental health, I would say, condition or disorder. Um, but as far as a psychiatrist, we are medical doctors and we specialize in mental health issues. And so mm-hmm. it, I further that to say, you know, as a sports psychiatrist, I even subspecialize in working with athletes who have mental health issues. So mm-hmm. the, the interesting thing I want to point out here is that you're not going to find a sports psychiatrist when you Google search those terms because it's not a official or an official ad, uh, identified entity. Um, sports yes. psychologists are. And so when you talk about sports psychiatrists, when the board, um, our professional board, uh, our professional uh, psychiatric board, excuse me, when they when they are basically saying that we can identify ourselves as sports psychiatrists, it means that we have become experts in the field. But my mm-hmm. hope is that soon enough we'll be able to have an established official sports psychiatry sector because it is very much needed. So, Dr. Don, Dr. Don, when you one of your specialties that I'd love to hear about is ADD and ADHD. Right. This is something that uh, as of late, I mean, you can speak to this better than I. Uh, as of late, it's, be- it's become a big topic with especially with with kids. And I remember back in the day when we were growing up, you know, what I'm saying like there was no such thing as ADD. You know what I'm saying? It was called lock in, focus, do your homework, shut up, like do it. You know what I'm saying? It ain't no ADD. Right. But the now, was the belt. <laughs> yeah, the belt. You know what I'm saying? The belt. The shoe. Down in there. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Right. The, the, Settle down in there. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Every, and all of the above. Yeah. And yeah. so this has now this is now compounded with technology. And I want you to just walk us through how this has uh, become a problem. Um, wh- what are your general thoughts on this? And uh, what are some solutions? Wow. This is a I can talk on this topic forever. <laughs> I, I'm very, I want to preference this. I'm very passionate about this condition because I actually found out I have ADHD at the age of 31 and I'm 43. And so when I was in medical school, I failed my boards five times in six years and it was very devastating for me because this was the first failure that I had along my academic journey. And, you know, I was in front of my class as like class president wow. for two years. So I was very involved. So people kind of knew past Dawn, but they kind of knew my life, right? And so it was very humbling to to know that, you know, 150 or 49 of my classmates found out that I failed my boards. And so when I went to a psychologist myself, 
um, they actually evaluate me and diagnose me with performance anxiety, believe it or not. Oh, wow. Right? Okay. For test taking. Yes. And recommended that I take medicine. Um, you know, they always say that when you're in a profession, you sometimes don't do what your own profession suggests. And so exactly, <laughs> I was against medicine um, for this, but I kind of, you know, got through it. I plowed through it. But later on, when I did, after I, you know, by the grace of God, finally passed my boards, went to three, four years, excuse me, of adult training, my so adult psychiatry training. And in order to become a child psychiatrist, we had to do adult first. And so my child fellowship was two years. And so two months before I graduated from my child fellowship, one of my professional um, advisors, who's internationally known for ADHD and autism, recommended that I get be a part of their study. Um, cause she thought I had ADHD and so come to find out I have moderate ADHD. So, you know, I, I want to preference that because this is a personal, this is a personal testimony yes. for me and yeah. it's something that is very chronic. It, it, you deal with it every single day. It, you can't see it as far as, you know, what, what a person looks like. Um, it shows up in behavior. It can show up in moods. It can show up even in certain idiosyncrasies that we all share and kind of laugh about. But it's very serious because if it's not diagnosed or treated, it can actually jeopardize a person's lifestyle. So ADHD is a neurodevelopmental executive function condition. It affects our attention, our focus sustainment, um, our imp impulsivity. So basically our impuls impulsivity behavior, impulsive behavior, as well as our activity levels. And so usually we can be hyperactive, not just physically, but of the mind, a lot of thoughts going on at once that may distract us from looking and focusing on whoever's in front of us. We can have problems with feeling restless and shifting in our seat. And especially for a child who's told to sit down and not get up out of their seat, but they're, mm -hmm. you know, actually reprimanded for that. It can come in the form of careless mistakes or not focusing on, you know, their education. So they may forget their homework. They may forget they have homework. And so you can see how that affects their grades. And so it is a childhood condition, but it's chronic. When we think about technology and how it actually intersects with ADHD, we love technology because it's yeah. very, um, I would say stimulating, right? Mm -hmm. um, technology, when you look at Facebook, the average person that a person's focusing on a post is three to seven seconds. <laughs> Whereas a child in class is supposed to focus for 45 minutes, 50 minutes, yeah. and that's an elementary school student. How mm -hmm. can that be, right? So then yeah. you think, well, maybe everyone has ADHD, but that's not necessarily the case. So that is one of the reasons why we, we may be seeing more um, uh, people who are struggling with focus, but that's why it's even more important to see a specialist to make sure a person has ADHD. The vividness of technology, the sounds you get for technology, the realness when you're playing Madden. I mean, it's like I'm mm -hmm. looking at my TV now, right? Uh, at a real, <laughs> like a real football game, for example, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. So all of those things are very attractive. And when you think about treatment for ADHD, like the stimulant class, um, Ritalin, Adderall, Vyvanse, it's like those TV rays are acting like our stimulants. So it actually mm -hmm. attracts us to screens. The screen yes. rays is what I call them. They're naked to the yes. eye. So that's why you have people who are, you know, especially with ADHD, but anyone who finds it very difficult to detach from those things because of, of the, all the things, the colorful images, the, the, you know, you have controllers that are motion detected, all those things can want mm -hmm. you to engage and you want not, you know, not for you to break from that. 
Um, so technology mm-hmm. is very interesting. The other thing I wanted to really briefly talk about is kind of the the rapidness of the information received. I mean, I, I used to have a pen pal. Now yes. in like 30 seconds, I can get an answer <laughs> <laughs> that I had to wait for a week from or two weeks, right? <laughs> so I wanted to make it portable for those who I'm dating my age here. But, you know, I mean, the, 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 yeah, that's you, good. Yeah, the fast pace of technology that we're receiving. So we expect to answer now. And if you're not answering or if I'm yeah. not receiving the answer, mm-hmm. that's a problem. So think about the restlessness mm-hmm. and the further inattention that actually creates for our society as well. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I can go on and on, but hopefully I touched a little bit about how that intersects with technology. Technology can be our friend, but also can be our enemy. Yeah, that's really good. And I think I think one of the things that comes to my mind is just uh, just the education. You know, like like you said, just being educated on this stuff, being educated on the spectrum, being educated on the condition, seeking professionals. Um, that's great. Uh, Derek, Derek, you have any thoughts in regards to I just um, have some of that? She, because it was cool what she hit on as far as there's so many things within society that can can lead to somebody really saying somebody has ADHD when they don't making such an assumption. Is there a lot of that going on nowadays where somebody is misdiagnosing uh, kids or people or whatever? I usually see kiddos when usually after they're, they've seen their pediatrician, they've started medication and I may see them now more and more Mm -hmm. since the pandemic. However, I'm seeing first timers that have, I'm the first mental health professional that, that they've ever seen. Right. Yeah. And so um, to answer your question, yes, there has been um, misdiagnosis and it's not. And, and the reason behind this um, is the lack of education for even physicians, <laughs> believe yeah. it or not. You know, yeah. we're not mm-hmm. we, we, we do have certain guidelines and foundational aspects of our training. But when we go into further specializing, we don't yeah. get that information unless we subspecialize or we may receive education other ways through our reading, through maybe our colleagues who may be specializing in this condition, so on and so forth. So you can go to your pediatrician and I would say children are probably more accurately diagnosed than adults um, because they have teachers involvement. They have parents involvement mm. and it could be objective yeah. versus an adult who may see a primary care doctor and they may complete like a five minute questionnaire or something online mm-hmm. and all of a sudden they're diagnosed and they're on medicine. But it's more than that. Any expert mm-hmm. um, in ADHD will tell you, like myself, that ADHD can be very, very difficult to diagnose um, mm-hmm. because so many things look like ADHD, insomnia, hyperthyroidism, depression, bipolar disorder, anxiety, right? And I went from mental health to medical issues too. So all those yeah. things can look like it and people can have multiple things, not just ADHD, mm-hmm which is why it's even more complex to make this diagnosis in adults. So sometimes we need our friends, the psychologists on board because they're experts, they went to grad school, they're experts in um, objectifying and also using their subjective, um, I would say knowledge um, to ensure that ADHD is diagnosed accurately or an ADHD expert like myself may have like a computerized, um, I would say assessment in my office where I can use as an objective tool and then my, you know, professional background because they have to match in order to establish the condition. So it's a lot mm-hmm. that goes into it. And I want to say this: uh-huh. it's kind of like evaluating for cancer, not necessarily the devastation, but I would say the, the importance because ADHD is chronic. 
I mean, you can read everything from here to the moon and you will find that 50% of adults who have been diagnosed with ADHD as adults may not be on their medication or may not be doing behavioral management, but I guarantee they still have ADHD. They may choose different career paths or they may just, you know, suck it up to, oh, this is just Derek, for example. This is just Norm. He's he's always forgetful, you know, he's always late. But that's a problem when you're supposed to and expected to be on time and people have lost their jobs. People have reverted to substance use. People have been divorced just because of ADHD. So it is a very, very important condition to make sure we recognize it correctly and therefore lead to effective and safe management. That's great. That's great. So, Dr. Don, I want to go. I appreciate that. That's a really good insight. Uh, it's very, that's very healthy insight there. Um, I want to go macro and then I want to go micro. So you are an you are an expert you're double board certified as an md and as a psychiatrist more specifically child adolescent adult and then sports psychiatry what are some and you and i have briefly spoken about this right we start looking at i'm not gonna name any names but we start looking at the sports landscape and we start to see certain uh sports figures act a certain way and then the media those that are watching the audience starts to say that dude got mental health issues. She's got mental health issues. You know what I'm saying? And so I know that there is a link between childhood, adolescence, and adulthood. Can you please talk about that link? And can you please just, you know, just, just educate us in the thread, if you will, that is so important not to overlook? I think it's first important to not overlook the stigma that surrounds mental health. Because when someone says, oh, they have mental health issues, well, we all have mental health issues. But someone can, and I say that candidly because we all have mental health, right? But there is a difference between having mental health, which we all have, and having a disorder that's been identified and someone meets criteria for. That's good. Right? And so someone can be looking like they have mental health problems or a disorder, but we don't know until we talk to them. There's actually a rule, mm-hmm. a golden rule, that actually deters psychiatrists from looking on TV and trying to figure out what someone has without evaluating them. So I don't mm-hmm. diagnose anyone, I don't make any assumptions until I meet with that person and actually perform the evaluation because they can have insomnia and look erratic, all right? Mm-hmm. And so that's yeah. important to recognize. The other thing about what you, the second part of your question, I think is awesome. And that's kind of where I bring my expertise to athletes is the trajectory. So, you know, we started as children. So when you have chronic conditions like bipolar disorder or ADHD that don't go away, they're not gonna go away when you're on the field or on the court either. And you kind of go mm-hmm. against your competitor and take it out on the field is what some coaches mindset has been in the past. You can't take it out on the field. You know, you Mm -hmm. can't. It actually disrupts as fighting on the field because of the lack of impulse control that a person has if they're dealing with anger problems or dealing with ADHD. You know, you can't take it out on the field if you're not motivated enough to go to practice on time and not fulfilling those goals and therefore you're expected to perform to your optimal level during the actual Mm -hmm. game because you haven't practiced, because you're depressed. And so it is important to recognize there's a difference between having mental toughness and having mental illness because they're not one and the same. And Mm -hmm. so I think athletes really are starting to get that now. They're starting to open up and discuss it. You have, you know, Simone Biles, you have Michael Phelps, um, you know, Serena Williams. You have all these athletes that are really coming to the forefront and, and educating people on their personal experience. They're using themselves as a personal experience 
so that yeah. others can actually follow through on their own personal experience and maybe hopefully mm-hmm. see someone. But being a child psychiatrist, I'm able to guide them through that trajectory. I'm able to educate them on, this is not your fault. This may be a genetic component to this, or this mm-hmm. is how you, you know, the, the environment that you're, you're raised in. Cause we don't just look at the biology. We also consider the psychological and the social factors. Trauma is a main, a, a major one that I see in most professional athletes. You know, it's been mm-hmm. a traumatic experience leaving behind the trauma of their neighborhood, trying to get out. So they use sports as an avenue to do that and then just mm-hmm. kind of carry through. And so when they retire, they're just like, I don't know what to do, you know, and I'm depressed and I don't, how am I going to make money? I don't have an education like I would want to, to get a good job that's going to keep up with the house mortgage. And so mm-hmm. I can go on and on. But it allows me to get a background and an understanding of their childhood. Because let me tell you, your childhood definitely has a strong connection with your adulthood. There's a lot of baggage that we may be carrying just from our childhood that we haven't let go. And that may be affecting how we function in our career and even at home. Yeah, I mean, that's I think I think that what you said is so powerful because we have this, you know, and Derek, you could probably talk to this a little bit as well as an athlete. But many people, they use the term compartmentalization. And I, I always say that compartmentalization is not a long-term answer for success. Because you can push it down all you want, but <laughs> one of these days you have to deal with it. And I know, Derek, you know, you've been around a lot of athletes. What were some of the things that you've seen in terms of athletes who tried to compress or try to drink it drink it away smoke it away and 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 the negative ramifications because you've dealt with drug addiction in terms of the people that you've worked with not you specifically but but derek has worked for the last 10 years with people who are broken um have had drug addiction what are some things that you've seen in terms of compartmentalization and i want to give it back to to dr don well I, i agree completely with the last point dr don made which uh you know your childhood creates your adulthood you know, like I completely agree with that. And uh, every single addict that I had the opportunity to work with all had some type of horrid traumatic experience, multiple traumatic experiences. Their whole life was traumatic, you know, uh, used, you know, the first time they used was with their dad or it was horrible, uh, you know, molestation problems. Or there were so many different things that went in to create a lot of this and, Unfortunately, their path took them into heroin or meth or, you know, extreme alcoholism. And in my opinion, that's no different than some guy that goes to the strip club all the time or can drink but still carry a job or can drink and party and still be a professional athlete. Like all of them were just provided different environments, Mm -hmm. you know, and so I think a lot of guys – cope and learn and balance. You know, my dad grew up and had a very rough childhood yet was able to get a great job and make an incredible living for us and give us a completely different life that he didn't, he wasn't provided. And so it's all, you know, you can't really explain how all of it comes together, but I would wholeheartedly believe that it, it comes from childhood. It's just, do you get the help? Do you have the mentors to work through that, to help you through that? You know, and, and eventually you know, like we've discussed a lot is, you know, uh, finding Jesus throughout that process and, and, and being able to forgive and, you know, process coping with that. I think mm-hmm. what Dr. Don's talking about too, is something that 
uh, hasn't had the opportunity to completely evolve yet for everyone to use it because it's so new. We're like, you kind of think about like, well, we, we've been lifting weights for decades. And so that's evolved and we got the better end of that, right? Well, this, I feel like we're in the beginning. And it's like, I wish I would have had opportunities to work through some of this. Although I haven't had those type of traumatic experiences, I know stuff like this could have still helped me in my athletic journey. So I think yes. this is amazing. You know? Yeah, the, the childhood piece is huge. And, yeah. you know, I don't even, I don't necessarily know that it's new, but the acceptance is becoming yes. more yeah. it's it's becoming more universal. And so yeah. Dr. Dr. Don, can you just speak to the compartmentalization piece? Because I feel like so many athletes struggle with this. Like like homes, my home life sucks. You know, uh, you know, I'm going to compartmentalize. I'm fighting with my wife. I'm going to compartmentalize. We had a death in the family and I hate, I question God. I hate people. I'm going to compartmentalize. You know, there's been trauma and now I must do something to, to numb the pain because so many people are hurting. And so I just want you to talk about compartmentalization real quick. Yes. And, and I think you point out something earlier. It may work temporarily for the situation. So we often find that and there. You probably can attest to this as well. When you're talking about a coach and an athlete, they're they're taught to compartmentalize. You know, so, you know, leave everything out on the field. Don't, you know, in, or excuse me, at yeah. home outside of this yeah. arena. And this is all we're going to focus on right here, right now. The plays, the avenue, you know, all that. Right. Yeah. And so you're talking about an athlete, professional athlete, they've been doing this since they could walk because a lot of professional mm -hmm. athletes don't start in high school. They've been starting like in, again, in elementary school. I mean, yes. scouted in elementary school. And don't make sure, I mean, if they're part of a family of athletes, <laughs> probably even before that, okay? And I mean, it's yeah. interesting how I hear these stories. Like in third grade, someone was scouted and promised something later. So, you know, they're taught that early on. And so for the natural athlete, they often compartmentalize because of the pressure. We have more professional athletes in our world, guaranteed. It's the ones that are able to compartmentalize that are able to kind of go the next level for, for many of them because they're mm -hmm. able to deal with the pressures that that stage or that arena presents with, within itself. So we don't really know if Michael Jordan or LeBron may be the best basketball player or whomever, right? We may, you know, we may know a neighborhood kid who was awesome and could beat them both, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. but were they able, did they have the support? Were they able to deal with that pressure that allowed them to get, kind of go to the next level, right? Yeah. And so that's part of the compartmentalization as well. It's part mm -hmm. of that. But it becomes a problem again when you're not dealing with whatever is problematic for you. So if you mm -hmm. do have a drinking problem, and you're able to, you know, go out in the field and perform well. That dream problem is going to catch up with you. It's going to catch up with your mind as well as your body. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Relationships. And so that's yeah. when it becomes a problem because you, you're not, you've never dealt with it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's good. That's good. So, so uh, Dr. Don, you are, you sit on many boards, many advisory boards. You are contracted um, by many organizations. Uh, you work with the NFL uh, Hall of Fame. You work with the NBA and the National Basketball Association's Player Association as well. I hope I said that right. Um, so you're dealing with a lot of professional athletes, and you, you are um, front row in terms of some of the things that these athletes deal with. 
What is some advice that you would give athletes? So this is a three-part question. I'm going to ask the first part here. What are some, um, some, some advice? What is some advice, rather, that you would give an athlete who's transitioning? So he or she is finished playing professionally. Now I have to get a real job. Now I'm going into the real world. What is some advice that you would give them as they transition? I, I wish I could meet them when they're in college or even high school. Because we, I would, the advice I would give is to always plan for your retirement as soon as you know you're going to go the professional route. Mm-hmm. Um, and because those are meaningful conversations that you can have early on. So even as a physician, I mean, I have an IRA or I have this, right? I have mm-hmm. this, you know, my disability, if something were to happen to me, I've already have that planned out. And that's taught to us in medical school. So if you look at the professional athlete, that's kind of the first question that you're going to, you know, or first topic that one of the first topics that you should be discussing with them. So Mm -hmm. many of the athletes that are at that transitional part, I would make sure that they, you know, or encourage them to get like a financial advisor, you know, make sure you have a financial advisor um, to assist you in guiding you through your finances now and then also help prepare you for um, investments and, you know, Mm -hmm. all these other things that can be financially beneficial for you and your family. Um, yes. That's so important because a lot of athletes trust their advisor, but they, I also recommend that they read, 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 read about how the process works and knows where their money is and know every single dime where it is as well. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, you know, this is the time to learn the system and understand it. There's many apps out there that can help regulate that for you that are free. Um, there are many financial advisors that would give consultations as well. So that's, you know. That's that's important as well as the IRS, you know, make sure you're up to date mm-hmm. on those payments because a lot of depression that I see um, or even increasing suicide, not just with substance abuse or, you know, but also depression because of the finances. They go from mm-hmm. making millions to, like you're saying, one having to find a job, maybe because mm-hmm. it's an early retirement that they weren't uh, ready for because of an injury, a career, you know, it, ending injury. Um, get mm-hmm. with other athletes who are who are actually alumni. You know, from the team, from the organization. That's why the MBPA is awesome and influential. The NFLPA is influential Mm -hmm. and making sure an alumni connect directly with athletes. And they actually have programs created and designed for this specific reason. You also Mm -hmm. have athletes like on LinkedIn who you can connect with, who have their own programs that they've come up with. Um, Mm -hmm. And it can help guide you through um, that as well. So peer, peer influences, peer support is huge in this industry and i've seen a lot of athletes been able to benefit from that as well yeah so what i hear from you is almost a holistic approach like i mean you're talking about finances you're talking about uh, uh peer support uh you, you know my my social networks health so this is this is it's all connected yes it's all you're late it's like you're, you become a part of the the population now so everything mm-hmm. that we've been prepared to do you know the athletes should already been prepared to do when they sign that contract that that's yeah. how critical and important it is to, to start and, and it's not too late if you start and you know you're going to retire this season it's never too late either you know yeah. it, it's the best thing you can do though is start and make sure you have that team of people around you so that you can make sure everything is in its rightful place for you and your absolutely. family absolutely Oh, that's that's a great insight. Derek, you're a journeyman. You've been a journeyman, man. That's one. When I look at your life, you're a journeyman and you have undoubtedly seen a lot of athletes that you played with and against who went against what Dr. Don is is teaching us right now. Right. I mean, athletes who did who didn't plan, who, who didn't care. And then all of a sudden 
life hits you in the face. Oh, 100%. I, I always felt at times the tougher adjustment was them coming to the realization of, of like, you're not, the world doesn't revolve around you anymore. Like, mm-hmm. you're not the most important person anymore. <laughs> so it's like, even adjusting to family life, it's like, it's not, hey, I'm playing on Sundays. I got to go. You got the kids. I'll see you later. Oh, I got this photo op. And then, oh, I got this thing with Nike. And I, it's like, you ain't got none of that anymore. And it's like, you're not, like, the world doesn't revolve around you. And I've always seen guys have adjusted. That's always hard. You know, yeah. it, it, it's a little different. When, like, for me, I always know it's like, I'm walking into the bank to put my check in and it, and it says Washington Redskins on there. It's like, I feel good. I feel important. Hey, everybody, look at me. How's everything going? And then when you don't have that check to turn in, it's like, yeah, you know what? Is there a way I can do this online? Like, I don't want to be seen right now. And I feel like that's a real tough adjustment for them as well. Is you go from being in so such an incredible look at me environment, you're focused on all the time, everywhere you go, you're the most important person when you walk in the building, and now you're one of the guys. You know, like you're a ju- you're you're. It's like she said, like you're just a regular citizen now, and yeah, I think sure. that's a tough adjustment when you're talking about from being a kid, you're just this baller in high school, you take off in college, and then you have this great career in the league. It's like. I see a lot of guys trying to find stuff to continue to feed that instead of just adjusting to reality. Yeah. That, yeah. that you're, you're, you're a couple, you're a couple names removed now. It's no, it's now, it went from, from that team to the Washington football team to now yeah. you guys are the commanders. I don't know about, I don't know about the commanders, but I mean, come on, yeah. man. You know I, what I'm saying? I, you know what? I think there might be some, uh, some openings for a job yeah. in their PR department. I'll tell you what, man, you know, commanders, baby, baby hey, you know, and but. My goodness. And Dr. Don, if you're in Houston, if you are in Houston, you need to check out Dr. Don. Look her up and we're going to get her contact information. Reach out to her because she is as solid as they come. And once again, this is Josiah Ghana with All Things Performance Podcast. And we have a very special guest today, Dr. Don Brown, a double board certified MD and child adolescent adult and sports psychiatrist. Dr. Don, thank you again for joining us. Um, this has been really good. And the, one of the questions that I have for you right now based up, or to spin off of the last one is, what do you tell the current athletes right now? Like what, what and, and this is broad, but what are some ways to navigate through the current landscape of social media, technology, um, COVID-19, social justice issues, political unrest and unease what are some things that and again this is loaded this is loaded so you know uh, yeah. we're gonna we're gonna lean on you to to you know to steer the ship here you know what i'm saying uh, yeah, but but what are some yeah i know you know i'm just hey we got it we have an expert so we're gonna we're, we're yeah. gonna ask the expert you know what i'm saying yeah. so what are some things that you would do to to, to encourage the athletes the professional the collegiate athletes right now during this tumultuous landscape you know, one thing I always like to, um, I'm, I'm a woman of perspectives. And so one of the things that I actually encourage athletes to do is, hey, you have two careers in your life. You're an athlete, and then you, there's going to be a time where you're going to be a typical citizen. Okay. And so that c- they can prepare for that um, transitioning because when usually when an athlete is known per, per se, they're somewhat protected by all the things that are going on in the world. And um, and so when you see athletes involved in things going on in the world, 
then sometimes mm-hmm. they get this feedback like, well, wait, no, just shut up and dribble or yeah. stick to, you know, performing because that's what you do and that's what we pay you to do. And, and mm-hmm. it, it humanizes them because, mm-hmm. you know, they're still, when they leave that place, they're, they're mm-hmm. just like anybody else, right? And so I look at athletes as being human first. And so we yes. have those real conversations. You know, listen, I know that you've always been impacted by this. And I know that there were some things in your contract where you couldn't do this, but now you have athletes who want to do more. So let's start this nonprofit. Let's get you up on the stage. Let's, you know, let's mm-hmm. let's guide you through this so that you're able to make this a part of what you've always wanted to do. You know, a lot of them want to learn how to do leadership positions or, or, or speaking mm-hmm. events and things of that nature. So that can actually develop into a career when they're able to speak for civil rights and get involved and maybe um, donate to a nonprofit who's all for, you know, um, um, community involvement and making sure that the mm-hmm. streets are safe in their communities. And so I use their personal gifts and talents um, or talk to them about that and then talk to them about their desires, their goals and what they want to do in the second career. And then we also, you know, talk about um how those gifts and those talents can can be combined into making a profession out of that and allow them mm-hmm. to thrive. And so they have like this second chance and in, in, in getting involved and wanting to do something nice and they create a career out of it. So for some of them, it's really been, um, you know, something that they love to do. That's great. That's great. I, you know, you are you are an anomaly by definition. Uh, you're a black woman in the field of psychi- psychiatry. Right. Which has been dominated and medicine, which has been dominated by people who don't necessarily look like you. Um, obviously, we all know here that and, and otherwise that this is not necessarily true of the sports landscape. Um, what do you see as the future of mental performance, psychiatry in terms of just access um, and safe access rather um, uh, for all players in terms of me being vulnerable, in terms of me having options what does that look like what do you think the future is in 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 this field i think the world will see better sports on tv Mm. i think the world will see better athletes coming to play the game that they love um because now the mental health component has access has been identified has been treated is being managed and now that player can perform optimally whether they are on the court or at home you know Mm. and so it's kind of like, oh, I have diabetes and I'm having my, you know, my blood sugars checked often every single day before I eat a meal. I'm actually mm-hmm. maintaining. I'm actually treating. I'm actually making sure I eat the right, you know, foods. I'm making sure I mm-hmm. exercise. But now we have to also make sure we exercise our mind. We also make sure we mm-hmm. have to balance our lifestyle. We have to make sure that if those urges of wanting to do something that is not necessarily healthy for us are replaced by something that's positive and beneficial for our bodies and our minds, you know? Mm -hmm. And so when you take care of the body, as you can see athletes do quite very well in their performance and have these championship rings and trophies, if you take care of your mind, man, I can see a much better world. And not necessarily just within sports, but in the world, because we know that a lot of people who are fanatics, including myself, of athletes in sports, they often follow the advisement of what athletes are doing. So now no you're doubt. having people speak out that's also affecting that person within their own homes. So I, no I think it's going to take athletes to help us um, bring that that vision to fruition. That's, that's great. Derek, you can speak to this because 
you know, as an athlete, one of the, so you, obviously you were an athlete. Uh, now that I'm removed from athletics in terms of playing, you know, being a, an athlete myself and, and more so coaching now, Dr. Dom, the number one thing that I hear is, wow, I wish I would have known this stuff, man, when I was playing. I wish I would have had access to these types of people when I was playing. And so you know what I'm seeing now? I'm seeing a lot of our contemporaries, they're, they're starting to send their kids our way now. They're starting to get their kids involved in this. And so, Derek, I just wanted, I just wanted you to talk to that fact. Like, hey, man, like we never had this coming up, man, or we didn't know where to look for it. And obviously, like Dr. Don says, it would have made a world of difference in just our, land, our competitive landscape. A hundred percent. What I what I what I wish I would have had is just the education uh, level on it of you know what it is. It's not just you need this because you're completely weak minded and you can't do this. There's so much to it, you know. And uh, I just I wish I would have known, you know. And I mm-hmm. agree wholeheartedly with what she's saying. Like you're going to need people to speak out about that because that's what will, you know, that's just like proper advertisement, really, you know. And um, it's like, you know, when I was playing, if you found some guy doing something and they got a result from it, it was like, I'm going to do that too. Yeah. You know? And so it's like, if you start finding some good people speaking out about this, where they don't think that, uh, you know, this is some huge medical, like, you know, how the regular, you know, not necessarily people within your profession, but just a regular person that just has a regular job. Oh, that's a medical issue. I don't have that. Mm-hmm. No, I don't have that at all. Right. You know, once you can get, past that. And I think with the proper people speaking out about it, it'll be easy to get past that. And then mm-hmm. I, you know, and then you can educate people. And then, like you said, you get to see a much greater athlete, you know, cause we talk, Joe, it's like, you just, if there was something missing for my game, uh, it's just more weight room time then, or more time on speed and conditioning mm-hmm. or more weight room time. And then, uh, more, you know, that's all it yeah. was. You didn't yeah. think it was something, you know, between your ears ever. Yeah. Yeah. And- and, and Dr. Don, I want you to speak to this because it's so easy, right? With the millennials coming up, um, Generation Z um, and the alphas coming behind them, and for these younger generations. So we we grew that one, Joe. What's that? They need to rename that one. They ain't the alphas. They ain't. Hey, hey, man, hey. They ain't even seen outside yet. Hey, man, I'm just reporting. We can't call them that. Hey man, I'm just reporting. I'm just reporting the news as I as I hear it. You know what oh, I'm saying? So, 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 so I mean, gaming, man, that's that's scary. It's crazy because you know we grew up in a time and day where if you wanted to call collect or call call somebody in another country, it was a whole process. You got to get the calling card, make sure AT and T ain't you know shutting down your phone. Now, I mean, these kids are growing up. They're growing up facetiming their uncles. In, in, in Mexico, in Canada, in Africa, in Europe, they're they're talking to people ar- around the world like it ain't nothing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and so playing video games with some dude in Russia. Ex- exactly. Right? And, yeah. and so, Dr. Don, what I want you to do is I want you to talk about the technology piece and how important is it? Can it replace human contact? Because let's be honest here. Let's be honest. LeBron James is the face of Calm right now, the app. Simone Biles has partnered with Cerebral. Michael Phelps has partnered with Talkspace. These apps are huge, and they're using these, what, athletes? The GOATs. The GOATs. You know what I'm saying? I mean, those are the best players. You know what I'm saying? The best athletes. They're using them 
to promote. Now, should we, it's easy to just pull out the cell phone, right? Should we replace that with human contact? What are your, your thoughts on that real quick? I don't. I, so I, I, I'm part, I'm partly biased to this, mainly because, I mean, I was the first child psychiatrist in Houston to actually trans, um, kind of transition my practice in office practice to a virtual practice seven years ago. So when people, you know, were seeing me, they were like, oh, you were ahead of the game during the pandemic. That didn't, that didn't affect you at all, did it? Because I was trying to get my colleagues to do the same. I was like, we could see so many more people. It would be awesome mm-hmm. and this and any other. And I'm board certified in different states. So it really just allowed me to use my document talents and, and just really just increase that so I can help as many people as I possibly can. Um, but it doesn't ever replace human connection. It doesn't. You know, I can try my best to, you know, just to really engage and empathize with people through a screen. Um, But at the end of the day, that human connection matters. You know, the energies that you may feel with Mm -hmm. someone matters, right? The the, the Mm nonverbal behaviors Mm -hmm. um, that you're not able to fully see on the screen matters. I mean, these we don't just Mm -hmm. look at each other and listen. I mean, we we look and listen to all the things and use all of our senses. And so I've actually been able to make um, really good progress with individuals and families who have a difficult time in, um, you know, communicating Yes, that the, the on the screen kind of creates that entryway. But when I see them, mm-hmm. you know, going past that, oh, it's like mm-hmm. leaps and bounds. They just had to kind of get over it's that hump. Yeah. yeah. So I and also say it's different for different people because the screen can destigmatize me being in your space when you're in your comfort level and able to open mm-hmm. up versus in mine in the office. So that has been helpful. For people, yeah. um, so it really it really depends on the person so, 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 and so, so, experience. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh no, you're you're fine. Go ahead. Oh yeah. So that no, I'm done. Yeah. It just it just depends. You know, everyone is different. Um, but it, it I definitely would say nothing can replace human connection, especially in our field. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree wholeheartedly. The, obviously, the pandemic has forced us to do certain things, but I agree. You cannot you cannot replace the, the, the physical connection, the human touch. And so um, obviously, as we get ready to close, you're a highly decorated professional. And as the old saying goes, people, you know, who were at the top of the mountain, they didn't fall there. Um, who are some of the shoulders you stood on, the giants that you've stood on in terms of people who've helped you tremendously, people who have inspired you, uh, because what you're doing is remarkable, world-changing work, um, and that, and it's very inspiring. To, to to be quite honest, it's very inspiring. Who are some of those people who've been influential in your in your journey? Thank you. I was I would definitely say mine. Actually, I was blessed for it to start in my home, and so my mom um, was a PhD, attained her PhD while she was pregnant with my brother. Um, you know, and so she. But wow. both of my parents were first generational graduates, college graduates who actually attained full scholarships to their universities. And then that, that's where they met. And so it was instilled in our mm-hmm. home that education was very important, but balanced with also mm-hmm. our talents and gifts. So, you know, I played violin, piano, but I also was expected to do my best as well. And so my inspiration mm-hmm. came from my home. But that number one person was God. Um, you know, I come from a Christian background, Christian family. My mom was a minister mm-hmm. of music at my church. My dad sings in the choir. So, you know, mm-hmm. they were raised as a young person, you know, young individuals themselves. 
um, uh, to basically, you know, have Christian principles and rely and depend mm-hmm. on how God leads you through the, this journey. And so I've done that and I've come in contact with people such as Dr. Robin Parks, who is my um, child psychiatrist. Um, I would, we call him attendings in medical school, but kind of mentor mm-hmm. who was a physician. Uh, who evaluated us because I didn't have a child psychiatry program at my medical school. So she created one for me during my adult training or in my medical school tenure and then my adult training. And Mm -hmm. so that was where I first met my pediatric developmental pediatrician. And Dr. Park actually was a Christian. So she prayed for her her patients apart from them, of course, because she respected their, you know, their beliefs. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, she really inspired me. Um, just for what she did for me, but also I saw her approach to psychiatry doesn't necessarily have to be the standard approach. And so mm-hmm. that's how I gained my, um, I said, perspective in going into a field that hasn't even been officially recognized, but I feel I've been, you know, a part of and, and a, a blessing too because of how God led me to it. And so I would say Dr. Robin Parts, um, Dr. Conway, um, who's also mm-hmm. a professor at Washington University. Um, we actually explored different avenues like TMS, which is a non-invasive process um, mm-hmm. to use to help treat depression. You can get it treatment in 20 minutes on your lunch mm-hmm. break. Um, and, and it treats depression without taking medicine. So, you know, innovative, right? Um, I would say also Dr. Alice Mao uh, Baylor, child psychiatry mm-hmm. program, who was the person who recommended that I get tested for ADHD, but also um, gained my interest into the specialty within itself as an international expert. And so not only did I learn more about me and what I have, but I'm able to help others, you know, mm-hmm. and, and guide them through the process and journey. Um, and I know I'm missing so many people, my church families in every town that I've lived in. Yeah. Um, because it's not an easy journey, as you all know, to have be a professional. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, there are bumps along the way, you know, Satan is busy, but, um, you know, he also uh, makes sure that you're guided and supported by the right people around you so that if you were to tarry, they're there to make sure that you're right yeah. back on that road and that path um, to where you know you need to be and where God is leading you. So from anywhere, anybody from, you know, basically the tutor that I had in eighth grade mm-hmm. is just as awesome as, you know, Dr. Parks, who actually mm-hmm. showed me I can do, you know, do psychiatry in an unconventional way. Everybody along my journey has been so valuable for me. And that's what I love about God because he blesses us with people who we don't think they could, you know, help us, but they've yeah. been huge helps up along our pathway, regardless uh-huh. if it's related to our profession or not. Man, that is so awesome. Derek, I don't know about you, man, but for those of you who are listening to this podcast today, Derek and I had the honor and the privilege of reading through Dr. Don's bio. And let me tell you, when, Derek, you can speak to this. When I finished reading that thing, I felt like I needed to go and, and get better. I was reading through it last night. My wife comes in. She goes, is that a Harry Potter book? And I said, no. I said, no, sweetie, this is actually a lady's resume that we are having on a podcast. She couldn't believe it. I mean, remarkable what you, the, the work that you have done. It was yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, that's it's, why it's, I say never give up. Never give up on yeah. God because, you know, I used to think of ADC as a thorn in my side. I used to mm-hmm. worry if I could be a good doctor to my patients because I had this, you know, and I'm tearing up because I had this cognitive disorder. I used to think mm-hmm. because I'm a failure, I'm not good enough. 
But God has turned that right around and has used used me as a vessel to help bless other people. And that's Amen. why sometimes we have to go through it, you all. There's no Amen. way to avoid it. There's no way to prepare for it. But trust him because he will see you through it so that you can Amen. continue to bless others. And I know that's how he works. I mean, that's Amen. how I met you, Josiah. That's how I'm meeting you, Derek. That's how we're having yeah. this conversation to whomever's yeah. hearing us right now or in the future. You know Amen. that don't give up. Don't give up. It may be hard, but don't give up. There's a reason for your journey. There's a reason for your struggle. There is. Amen. That's so good because I feel there's so many of those things out there, you know, like an ADHD. It's like, that's just diagnosed as some hyper kid that just can't figure it out. And it's like to find, I think it's so special to find out, oh, oh no, I, I, I actually got diagnosed with that too. And go ahead and look at what I've done. And I think that's so unique is because I think it, the biggest thing that comes up with diagnoses of things along those lines is, okay, so can you tell me what my limitations are now? Can you please tell me what mm-hmm. I like? I need to make new goals now because I can't accomplish what I want to. And I think that's so special because uh, I, I, we're living in a day and age now where people, I believe, are looking more at what they can't do than what they can you know, what they can accomplish them, you know, what they can mm-hmm. or running away from, Hey, you know what? Let me just see if I do have some of these issues so that I can come up with a proper game plan to be successful, mm-hmm. you know? And so I, I, I just thank you for sharing that. That's powerful. Yeah. That, that was, that was, that, that's heart. That's heart work right there. That that's yeah. like, you know, no, no textbook, that's all heart. And so I, I, I love that. Yeah. And, and I, I, I don't know if you were looking at my notes here, but one of the, the last questions that I wanted to ask you, Dr. Don, is that as a woman of faith, right? Um, oftentimes athletes who are seeking to be satiated spiritually, right? To, to, to seek this hole in their heart, you know, to be mentally healthy, to be physically strong. These areas are siloed. They're siloed. That's one of the reasons why I created All Things Performance, because these are some of my passions, you know, are my faith, my, the psychology, the physiology, the neuromechanics and everything that goes into it. These areas are siloed. And what is the, in your opinion, if you will, what is the importance of one's faith, regardless of what they may believe? Some people may believe in God. Some people may believe in the universe or, you know, maybe even themselves. I don't know. But in your opinion, what is the importance of faith and your mental well-being? It actually is a strong link because if you if you talk to any psychiatrist or anyone under the mental health professional umbrella, we've actually been trained to evaluate a person's functioning is to consider their biology, the psychology of it, so how they feel about themselves, their defense mechanisms, and the sociology aspect, so their friends, mm-hmm. their job, their work, their finances. But I've made a fourth category, their religion, their spirituality. Hmm. Now, anyone may say that that's a part of their sociology and it can be, but I also believe that religion is personal experience and relationship Mm -hmm. as well. So it it deserves its own category. And so when we look at what's going to get me up in the morning with my biology, if we look at how we're going to connect with people, with how I view myself in those friendship networks, if we look at you know, my finances and how that's going to prepare me and my family to live in certain homes or invite your, you know, neighborhoods. We also have to consider our spirituality as well, because it's a foundation for me. It's a foundation piece 
that gets me up in the morning, that gets me going so that I can make money. <laughs> and then also mm-hmm. keeps me in my right mind so that I am not deterred if someone doesn't like me for whatever reason. So spirituality mm-hmm. is the foundation of my biology. It's the foundation of how I, of my psychology and my social networks. It's, it's what motivates us. It's what allows us to not stop and keep going to fulfill our goals and our dreams in life, to give us mm-hmm. hope and reassurance that we're on the right path even if it doesn't look like we are, you know, um, it just, it just allows us to be. And so, you know, I give credence to, you know, and thank God that I, I was raised in, you know, with my Christian, um, you know, background, because I know I wouldn't have been here where I am mm-hmm. sitting before you all today, if it wasn't for my faith, it just, it, it connects That's everything great. that That's we great. do in the source of our being. I love it. I mean, the, the, you you made you basically said, "Hey, this is the core. Everything comes out of there." And to I couldn't agree more. Now, I have I have one last question, but before I ask my question, because this might be the most important question of the day, uh, Derek, do you have any other questions or uh, things that you'd like to share with with Doctor Don as we get ready to close? No, I, I just I've been thoroughly just blessed by this conversation. I just appreciate you sharing all of your insight on everything. So, yeah, thank you. It's, this has been tremendous. And so inquiring minds want to know, inquiring minds, minds want to know, Dr. Don. So, you know, as I'm going through the bio here, you know, I haven't gotten a chance to meet these three yet, but it says that you have three toy Yorkies, DJ Gucci and Django. Yes, Django. So, so my question to you is, first of all, I need to, I, I need to, <laughs> I need to know, I need to know if these are males and females. First question, right, is who's okay. the, who's the drama? Who's drama? Which one of them is drama? Right now, DJ. So, so this is, everyone loves the Yorkies. So, you know, I chose the Yorkie because they're smart, they're intelligent. That's the only reason why I can deal with three Yorkies, okay? Because I'm I am single and by myself, and those are my those are my paw babies. So. I will say that Django is a father, <laughs> Gucci's a mom, DJ is their baby, if you will. So they're literally a family and oh. they have their own home oh. and they don't think they deserve to be in the crate when I put them up. They think they should stay with me. They think they should eat human food. They actually talk in their own way or bark, if you will. They moan, they cry, they weep. They do everything that humans do. <laughs> So I was there. You got a little family. You 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 for real have a little family. And they all have their own personalities. I'm serious, you all. They they I've trained them to understand human language, so they know when moms direct. They'll put their eyes down and go like this, um, or they'll they'll put their tail literally between their legs and kind of you know go on and walk slow. I mean, it, it's it's fascinating. Like I study my pets and it's just like, wow. Like, okay, I study human emotions and behavior every single day, but to come home <laughs> and see them. And, and one thing about having a pet and mental health, if I can bring up, is that pets have been found yes, to be um, very positive, beneficial factors when it comes to our mental health. Because, I mean, think about your pet and how much you love your pet. I mean, they're part of the family. You have a long day that's stressful. You get home, your pet don't care. 
they're gonna they're gonna jump yeah. on you they're gonna lick you they're trying to lick you in your mouth like mine do mm-hmm. um, <laughs> they don't have attitudes they don't talk back you know yeah yeah you know they, they they're just wonderful they keep us on schedule and on routine you gotta uh-huh. walk them you gotta feed them you know they can't and they don't grow up like mm-hmm. kids so you always have to take care of them so they really oh. help with the structure, the organization, our emotional well-being, and you know, mm-hmm. snuggle buddies as well. So, you know, I, yeah. I love pets as mental, you know, for for our mental health overall. Yeah, this is that's <laughs> great. That's great. I saw that. I'm like, man. I said, I gotta ask. I said, I'm not letting that one slide. I gotta ask. <laughs> oh yeah, they have their own Instagram page and Facebook page because. <laughs> I know that. See, oh, yeah. when, when I'm not working, these this is the type of stuff I do. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's yeah. <laughs> no, that's great. That's great. That's great. So as, as we as we get ready to close, what is what is the best place that we can find you online? That we can follow you follow you online? Purchase anything that you have in terms of products and services? How can we find you? Yes, you can find me at Dr. Dawn Psych MD on all social media platforms. That's D R D A W N P as in Paul S Y C H M D. And from that website, it will lead you to Mental Health Letics website, which is my um, my all inclusive concierge sports company that I've dedicated for professional elite athletes, as well as ADHD Wellness Center, which is my private practice. And I'm board certified in six states. So I would love to be, you know, your ADHD expert on your case as well. And then Dr. Dawn MD is for speaking events. I have, I've written books. Um, I have a podcast of my own, which I can't wait to have you all on mm-hmm. and I have a live show as well. So, you know, um, me as a speaker, um, you can actually book me as well as Dr. Dawn MD. So that that is awesome that is awesome this has been tremendous this has been my favorite podcast of the year uh this has been great and you have to i implore you i'm, I'm asking a favor if you can do a part two at some point yes. down the road yes. i'm all for it i love awesome. love connecting with you all i had a wonderful awesome. time i don't want to leave but i understand we have other yeah. responsibilities so please yes i will thank you so much for inviting me to be a guest on your platform. I'm very honored and I would love to return and also would love to have you on mine. So you'll be hearing from me as well. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Thank you. Hope you all have a tremendous rest of your day. Dr. Dawn, thank you so much for God your wisdom you. and insight. God bless you all. Thank you. If you like the idea of more people hearing this podcast, please take a moment to rate and review us because in doing so, you actually put all things performance in front of more ears and in front of more eyeballs and people will actually know that we exist so uh, we'd love if you did that Uh, you can follow all things performance on facebook instagram and all of the social media channels until next time god bless you take care of yourself and we'll talk to you soon